Hey guys, and welcome to this week's episode of the Sports Break Podcast. My name is Jackson King. And I'm Kyle Grondon. And now that we're two weeks through in the NFL and three weeks through in college, we're kind of getting a sense of who's good and who's bad. So uh, let's get into uh, the next week of uh, football. We got some exciting stuff going on. Yeah, it's an interesting week. Um, we, like you said, we have some people rising into a potential contenders category for playoff spots. And then we have teams that we thought were contenders for playoff spots and still probably are contenders. But just a lot of questions with those teams. So it's become an interesting dynamic of the rising teams looking really exciting and our expectations for some of these top teams not necessarily being met. Um, I guess let's start with uh, college football, because that's kind of where we've been starting over the last couple of weeks. Uh, who's been someone who's surprised you either in a good or a bad way? Uh, Penn State's surprised me last week. Not necessarily that they beat Auburn, because I thought they'd beat Auburn. Um, and so that was sort of expected. But I think the surprising thing is that Sean Clifford actually looks pretty good. And that was something that was basically like it's been, you know, Penn State's issue for a few years now where it's like, oh, they're a quarterback. This team, the way they recruit is a quarterback away from being a national title contender. We've seen this with other programs like Clemson. Once they got that quarterback, it vaulted them into that conversation or when it was Oregon with a Mariota that, you know, put them in the conversation for a championship uh, and same for Auburn who they just beat this past weekend. And I don't know if Sean Clifford's in that category, but the fact that he is able to go against this Auburn defense, which, you know, I wasn't high on Auburn this season, but it wasn't because of the defense. It was because of everything else with this team. Um, he goes against that defense. He is 28 for 32. He only throws four incomplete passes. He looks good. He throws some really good balls. He's mobile back there. And, you know, he, he gave Auburn's defense a lot of problems. And that was a really impressive, uh, impressive performance for me based on his expectations. Yeah, it was, I mean, a very interesting game for him, uh, especially uh, at home against a decent Auburn team and a pretty, as you said, a pretty good Auburn defense. Um, you know, the score was eight points, but it probably could have been more if some, uh, let's just say questionable referee calls were accurately called. There were, there were some really. The third down punt just killed me. I was, how do you mess that up? I, I didn't understand that one at all, but yeah, I mean, it was a poorly officiated game, but I don't think it was really poorly officiated. Like that was obviously the most egregious one, but like the targeting call I thought was questionable. So there was a few things on both sides that I think people could argue about. The one thing I don't think was a call at all. And Auburn was complaining about it was the the fourth down play in the end zone. It was a stupid fade call. It was a bad throw. And Joey Porter Jr. had the position. They're both hand fighting, and Porter did exactly what he had to do. And uh, it almost looked like Auburn's guy actually pulled him down. So I didn't think it was anything close to a pass interference. No, uh, it, I just found that interesting. But, yeah, no, I mean, especially in a year where there hasn't – I mean, it's still early, so there hasn't been a ton of signature wins. They have probably two of the biggest in terms of Wisconsin and then this game against Auburn. Yeah, I mean, they they have two really good resume-building wins. This is a team that now defensively, I think, might have the best secondary in college football. Um, and they got a receiver in Dotson who's a legit guy. He might be the – he could be one of the top guys in the country, and he's played like a top guy in the country this season, and Clifford's making throws. So this is a really good team. I'm a little concerned that the one thing we thought Penn State would be good at this year is running the football because basically since before Saquon, they've always had running backs and they can't run. Um, but overall, like this, this is a good football team. I think they're a legit contender and it's going to be interesting to see how they navigate this schedule because the Big Ten East 
it might be the best division in college football this year with Ohio State, even with their one loss, with the way Michigan's playing out of their mind. Michigan might have the best special teams in football. They've done everything really well. They've checked all the boxes. Penn State, obviously, with the resume wins. And even like a team like Maryland with the leap that Talia Tagovailoa has taken, you know, that's a frisky number four team in the Big Ten East. So there's four legitimate teams that I think could end up, you know, at least in the top 25. I don't think Maryland's any like going to win the Big Ten. But those are all like legitimate top 25 teams, I feel like. And, yeah. you know, it's competitive. And, and Michigan State. Yeah, especially have after the week they had. Um, I guess I'll go to uh, my big point, which is, man, the ACC is bad this year. Like, yeah. I know we joke about the ACC week one, but like Florida State has now lost their second straight game and they look – I mean, their third straight game. They're zero and three for the first time since I believe 1976. I believe they read that stuff correctly. Um, Miami just got embarrassed by Michigan State and probably should be zero and three. If not, they're the, the least convincing one and two team you can see in the country. Uh, and then you know Clemson didn't look great against Georgia Tech. So you're talking about aside from North Carolina, those are kind of your big powerhouse names, if not actually good teams, powerhouse names, and they all really faltered last week. And do not, and the the conference is hanging on to their playoff hopes by a thread at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's. I guess the one question I have is: is it worse than usual, or is it just look worse because Clemson's not as good as it what it looks usually? Um, now, the the Florida State and Miami stuff, where they're combined, what one in five? That's obviously concerning. That's not something we expect out of that team because that's the two programs. Like, if the ACC is good, it is because Florida in Miami become legitimate contenders when those two teams aren't legitimate, like contenders for a top 15 spot, then obviously the conference looks really bad, but you look at some of the teams in that conference. Yeah. I mean, North Carolina's kind of bounced back since that week one loss. Um, but you know, there's still questions about the defense can, and can they perform in those big games? Clemson, obviously the offense is a problem. I mean, honestly, that offensive line is bad. Uh, you know, and you look at, you know, the next tier of teams in the ACC, are Boston College, whose starting quarterback went down and is, might be out for the season. Uh, NC State, who I think is actually a good football team, but they stunk the bed for the first 20 minutes of that at Mississippi State game before coming back. You know, that might be the best team in the ACC, the next best team in the ACC behind North Carolina and Clemson. And we'll see how they do against Clemson this weekend. That's a big test. Yeah, but then you go even further where you're like, Virginia Tech, the team that beat North Carolina, just... I believe they got embarrassed against West Virginia. It was like a big loss. They started coming back. They had a chance to win it at the end, but they were down pretty big at one point. Yeah. And then obviously, you know, Florida State, who 10 years ago, even like five years ago, was like your premier program in the uh, ACC is now not only losing to Jacksonville State, but getting embarrassed by uh, Wake Forest. Like, yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's in a bad shape right now. Um I think Florida state had some years to rebuild. I don't think this team was actually going to be good. Um, I think people were just kind of, you know, sensationalized the Notre Dame game, but you know, that was a good performance, but this isn't actually that good of a football team. And I think it's starting to show. Yeah. I think, I think more people are now taking away the Notre Dame side of that than the Florida state side of that. Yeah. I mean, honestly, so. Um, I guess, uh, I, I don't know, Mike Norvell, how, how long of a leash does he need to have? Because, I understand that, you know, the program was in such dire straits after Jimbo and after Taggart, but 
you know, Norvell this year has had one of the worst starts the Florida State's ever had. I'm not saying he should get fired for it at all, but like how long do we need to expect results from Florida State? And are those the same that the boosters will say? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think the big problem is, is that financially, I don't know if this team can actually take another buyout. Like they paid a lot of money to let Willie Taggart go. And it'd be a lot of money to let Mike Norvell go at this point. So this can this team handle another buyout? That being said, I don't think Norvell should get fired. I think he gets this year. Um, I guess the thing would be if they look this bad again next season, then there's going to be a lot of calls for action. Um, but I think he's going to have an ability to show improvement out of this team next season because it is better. It's going to, you know, there's going to be better recruits coming in. There's better development coming in. I mean, this team doesn't really have a legitimate quarterback. They have a quarterback who came off a horrific leg injury and doesn't look like himself. And then Jordan Travis, who honestly can't throw. So, I mean, that's your options right now. There's a lot of option issues with this team. The offensive line is thin and it's also hurt. Um, there's not really like a star receiver. Like, I mean, you look at that Wake Forest game. I mean, Wake Forest basically just played man-to-man football and Wake Forest won the battles on the outside. And that's ridiculous knowing that Florida State is a team that had, you know, you're looking at guys like, you know, Kelvin Benjamin, uh, Rashad Green, Tamari Ontario, just recently, never mind like going all the way back. You know, there's this is a team that should not have the caliber receiver that's getting locked up by Wake Forest quarterbacks. So I'm it's a bad situation now, but I'm willing to give them a year or two still. By the way, I do love that um earlier last night, uh Miami posted about the that they're coming down to college station to play Texas AM next year. Like, I don't know if you'd want to be advertising a loss this early. Yeah. This, I mean, you did last time this happened, you did just get embarrassed by Alabama. Yeah. Well, Miami is another one where, you know, if you read the stuff out of the Miami Herald, the, the president of the school and the school board seems like they're not really caring about the success of the football team, which is, uh, which know. is a little weird. Cause like, I understand with Florida state, like you were bad and expecting a huge turnaround this quickly when you've been bad for like three to four years is really hard. And especially coming off of a pandemic year last year, I understand wanting to give Norvell a pretty big leash in order for him to just, for you to, ha- again, not have to just buy him out and then have another coach put into a terrible situation. At the very least, even if you do have to fire Norvell like two years down the road, the program is in a better spot. But with Miami, you know, you have all those returning starters. And after last year's expectations, you'd think that, hey, maybe this team could be at least decent. And they've been playing awful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's been bad for Miami. Yeah, I just don't think it's a very good football team. Derek King clearly isn't 100% to me still. Um, and I thought, you know, him coming back week one of the season was overly optimistic. Um, so, and, you know, he doesn't really have a good team in front of him that can really, you know, help when he's not 100%. I think that they needed him to be, you know, somewhat heroic this season. And he's not able to do it when he's not healthy. So here's the question I I asked my brother, and I think it's an interesting question to you too. If let's say we get down to it and it's a one loss Clemson and a one loss Georgia with, let's just say Georgia losing in the SEC championship game. Who do you think of those two teams deserves that final spot? I guess I would need to see how Clemson looks the rest of the season. Like if, like if they like, blow them out 
or like if they blow out wins or if they just keep them close like this one? Yeah, I mean, if there's genuine growth in the team and all of a sudden the offense looks like it can actually move the ball outside of Will Shipley, I mean, then I'd be like, okay, maybe Clemson should get consideration for it. But if it's this Clemson team, then yeah, I, I would probably take Georgia. Because Clemson's defense is still legit. I mean, I'm pretty sure what they've given up. They played Georgia and Georgia Tech and gave up zero offensive touchdowns. So, I mean, this is still a very, very good defense. No, and I'm not denying that. I just, I'm more of the opinion of a good, like Georgia shows that they can have a good offense. Like, obviously, they didn't necessarily prove it against Clemson, but, like, their last two games, especially the South Carolina game, proved that there's still an offense there. I can't say that necessarily about Clemson. Yeah, and like I said, if they if they all of a sudden, you know, figure things out and they're whipping off, like, 30, 40-point wins like Clemson normally does, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden I'm saying, okay, Clemson's in consideration. But if Clemson continues to look like this but wins games and Georgia wins games and, you know, loses to Alabama in the SEC championship, then yeah, I'd yeah. probably take Georgia for the playoff because they they'd have wins then over, you know, Clemson and Florida. So yeah, uh, I, I'll say this, and I said this about the Pac-12 after their the UCLA loss. The uh, the ACC now is on a very thin line about making the playoff this year, just because of how many talented teams there are, both in the Big Ten and the in the uh, SEC. So the both the Pac-12 and the the uh, ACC have very thin margins of error. Well, Pac-12 doesn't even have thin margins. It has Oregon, <laughs> you know? <laughs> True. Well, I mean, again, that's the same thing. I think, I mean, d- does North Carolina make it if they beat Clemson? I don't think so. That'd be really tough. I mean, honestly. I mean, we have to see how it goes because I think it's it's hard to project because it's like, is Oklahoma going to win all of their games? I don't know. Is, you know, Clemson going to win all their games? I don't know. Is Georgia going to win all their games? I'm not convinced yeah. of it, you know? I think... I think the one thing I've noticed from this season is it doesn't seem like there's a great team this year. I think there's a bunch of very good teams that are going to be in contention, but you know, where like 20 last year we had Alabama just looked that much better than everybody else. 2019 LSU looked that much better than everyone else. You know, 2018 Clemson looked that much better than everyone else. There's not really a team here that looks like it's head and shoulders above everybody else because everybody looks beatable on any given week. Well, the thing I'll say is I think by the end of this year, we could have that great team between like Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama. I guess I'll throw A&M in there, though. I don't think they're Penn State. I think they have there is the potential by like week 11, week 12 to have that like superstar team. We just definitely it, don't yeah. have that now. I definitely agree with that. I think the one thing is the last two years, especially we had teams that just look so clearly above and beyond everybody else. Like, I mean, I bet Alabama to win the title last year in July. Uh, I just was like looking at that roster saying they're not getting beat this season. Uh, I didn't bet title. I had teams I tabbed, but I didn't bet title winners this year because it was really hard to project that. Um, And a big reason for that is Alabama seems to not be, the same dominant Alabama that they've been the last couple of years. And obviously that came to head in the Florida game. Yeah. Let me pause real quick. Sorry. My dog's barking at something. Going berserk. Is this, was this the uh, puppy or not the puppy? No, not the puppy. The old okay. one. Um, so, so yeah, yeah. One, one of the, the, obviously the big reasons for doubting that this year is Alabama has looked very 
hasn't looked as dominant as they've been the last couple of years. And that really came to a head this week against uh, Florida. Yeah. And, you know, they jumped out on Florida and then Florida kind of calmed down. And, you know, this was the first game, I think, in a while that I'm trying to think back to when I've even seen it before. It's got to be years at this point where I've seen Alabama really look bullied. And it's not just like in a bullied and like they're getting like dominated sort of way, but like Florida won at the line of scrimmage virtually the entire second half. Florida, Alabama's defensive line looked bad. Alabama's linebackers looked bad. And Florida could basically run at will on this team. You know, Florida started making a comeback by running the football, not throwing it, which is so unconventional. And it's just like, it seemed like that Alabama didn't really have an answer for it. I know this is a young defensive line, but it looks like that a top tier offensive line is going to be able to beat it up. I guess the question is how many teams actually have a top tier offensive line right now? Um, not a lot as AM could prove. Uh, probably, I mean, I guess the 2017 Iron Bowl was a dominant win for Auburn. I remember yeah. that being like a huge, like just dominant, like Auburn looked like the much better team that week. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's just not a lot of examples of that happening. Now, obviously, I think this defensive line is going to get better, but like if they run into a team like, I'm trying to think of the offensive line that could really do it, Oregon has a really good offensive line. Could Oregon kind of beat them up at the line of scrimmage in a playoff game? Could a, you know, Ohio State, too, I think has a decent offensive line. Can they get after them in a playoff game, too? You know, those are going to be big games for Alabama. And I'm interested to see how this defensive line grows, because if that defensive line and linebacker group goes into the playoffs, they're going to get beat because they can get dominated on the line well i could also see when if they had to face george in the sec championship game i could see this team losing just because uh a i think it's you talk about the offensive line or the defensive line and the defense in general wasn't that great post this second quarter but then the offense really didn't look great past the first quarter they really like i I remember watching the first quarter of that game and thinking oh this is just going to be another one of those alabama routes a team by 30 and then the offense just like stopped for like a good 20 to 25 minutes of the game. Like they couldn't do anything. And I don't know Mm -hmm. if that's just Florida woke up and became like competitive after that point. But like, in my opinion, if you had played another game after the game, I feel like Florida would have won. Yeah. I mean, I I definitely came away with that game more pressed with Florida than I was disappointed in Alabama. I think Alabama has some questions to answer, but Florida just looked like a top, 18 to me like I don't see a lot of teams like I know ranking wise and resume wise there's going to be teams above them but there's a lot of teams above them right now that I could see them beating pretty easily even when even though they're playing the second best quarterback on their team you know that's just kind of the I was way gonna it is say uh you have you were you impressed with Emory Jones because he again after that second after that first quarter he looked really good yeah I thought he was solid he ran the ball really well I mean he still you know kind of scares me throwing but at the same time they kind of simplified the game for him. He ran a lot and he did a really good job with it. Again, I thought he played pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen enough of Anthony Richardson. I think that's the big issue is no one has seen a lot of Anthony Richardson Yeah. at this point, but I don't know. I definitely see if I'm Mullen, I'd stick with Jones. He's been solid enough. Yeah. I mean, he's going to get the job for now. I, I do think that a player like Richardson who could throw the ball like him raises the ceiling of this team because even in that game, like Jones's arm looked fine at best. It's not like a superstar's arm. Um, I think Richardson has a potential star's arm. 
Now, where do you think, because obviously we've been talking a lot about Alabama and well, I'm sure we'll talk about them in the next few weeks as they play some of their West competition, especially if they, uh, when they have to face like A&M or like Mississippi, uh, Mississippi. But uh, for Florida, is this a team you think that could go into uh, a matchup against Georgia and win that game? I think they could. That offensive line really impressed me and that offensive line going against Georgia's defensive line. I think it's going to be a really good matchup because Georgia's defensive line might be the best in the country. I, um, I think it is. I, I mean, I think AM's overall defense gives them a really good battle for best defense in the country along with Iowa's. But I think just from a pure defensive line standpoint, I think Georgia right now is the best. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's a, you know, a really good matchup, but I mean, I know Georgia's look good offensively the last two weeks, but you know, they're facing UAB and, what a lot of people were rejecting as the worst team in the SEC East this season, potentially, besides Vanderbilt. Um, so they, they don't count as SEC East. They count as something else. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, we'll see what Georgia's offense. I'm still concerned about them at receivers. So I think Florida has some advantages they could take, you know, that they could use. It just depends on how, you know, I, I'd, I'd just be interested to see in the matchup and how it goes. But I, I do think Florida is capable of going into that game and winning. I don't know if I'd pick them, but I think they can win it. I think I'm on the same pony as you. I don't know if I could confidently say I'd like pick them to win, but it's definitely something where I definitely would not be surprised that they could come away with a win, even a, maybe even a dominant win. Yeah. So um, I guess let's do a, our final uh recap of this week of college football, which is that there were a lot of struggle wins this week. Uh, we saw that with Oklahoma barely beating Nebraska, Ohio state needing a bunch of picks at the end of the game to beat Tulsa, uh, UCLA losing to Fresno state. No, that's not a struggle win, but it's something we need to note because UCLA went from <laughs> a contender for the playoff to now out of the top 25. And, um, I'm going to blink in the other one. There's another huge oh, oh, Clemson. So is that just those big struggle wins where teams that should be winning by at least like 20 points aren't winning by that amount? Uh, the only one that was close was Ohio or that was like that was Ohio State. And again, that was like just a bunch of pick sixes at the end of the game. Is that just a sign that the lesser teams in college football are getting better? Well, so I heard an interesting theory about this that basically – you know, the elite teams are still replacing a bunch of guys across their rosters because the elite teams are elite and those players typically go to the NFL. Whereas you see other teams basically like they all have because of the NCAA eligibility rule with COVID that you see a bunch of these teams with fifth and sixth year seniors basically trotting out a bunch of returning guys. And that's why it's closed the gap a little bit at the beginning of this season. Um, I don't know the whole data on that and how much of that is true. Like, I know, like, I think like Illinois is one team that has like 20 super seniors and there's a few teams like that. I don't know how much of that is actually true, but it is an interesting theory that I think could be looked into. Uh, overall though, I mean, I don't think the gap's necessarily closing. Cause like, I mean, there's still plenty of blowouts. I think the thing is, is that you look at those three teams and, I think right now, this iteration, these years of these teams that we expect to be, you know, the powers of college football look like they have genuine holes for the first time we've seen in a while. Clemson's offensive line looks like it's going to crater the entire team. Plus their receivers, I think, 
I think they have a weird fit with receivers, honestly. They don't have a guy who can, you know, do the slot stuff that like the Hunter Renfros and such did uh, of past. And they're kind of just like, you know, Justin Ross isn't a slot receiver. And he's basically had to play slot because they have no other option. And the offensive line, like I said, is terrible. Not giving the quarterback any time. And Duje Uyunglele also hasn't played well. So, you know, there's questions with that offense. There's questions with Ohio State's defense. They basically replaced their defensive coordinator after week two. Um, and even then, I thought the defense didn't look great at times, too, still against uh, Tulsa. Um, so, you know, it's interesting in that regard. And then also Oklahoma. I mean, are we sure Spencer Rattler's good? Like, that, I, I think that's my question. Are we sure this guy's good? Because I watched that whole game, and I'm just like, I don't know. Like, this guy doesn't blow me away. You know, it, it, this Oklahoma offense looked like the last five years that, you know, they could pull a 12-year-old off the street and he might get 300 yards and three touchdowns passing. And this is the one quarterback that we've seen out of this offense really struggle. And it's been it's been two years now where we've seen him have just bad games, and this was another bad game for him. Yeah, I mean, I guess my big point with the whole Rattler situation is last year I think everyone gave him credit because he was a rookie or a freshman. And by the end of the season, I think he'd built himself into a pretty good passer. I don't know. There's flashes. I think, you know, the, the Tulane game, he didn't look that bad to me, even though I think the team as a whole wasn't that great. But man, this game against Nebraska was not like, I think he needs to have a couple of really good games this year in order for people even like take out the whole like top topic of him being a top quarterback in, in the draft. Uh, he needs to have a couple of really good games the next couple of weeks in order for him to stay into like the, 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 the conversation for future like franchise quarterback scenario. Yeah. I mean, he, and not to mention the guy behind him, Caleb Williams is a freshman who was the number one quarterback in the country last year. So, you know, there's going to be plenty of conversations about that going forward if Rattler doesn't improve, but this is a guy who was, you know, talked about as the number one pick before the season. Um, he does not look like the number one pick for me. Uh, I wouldn't have him number one right now if I was, you know, evaluating these quarterbacks. I, I don't know if I'd have him in the top three right now, honestly. Who would you have in your top three? Uh, Malik Willis, one. Um, Are we talking NFL or NCAA specifically? NFL. Okay. Yeah, I would have Malik Willis, one. And then after that, it'd be really hard. Like, I think Sam Howell has his moments that I could see him being a good quarterback in the NFL. But at the same time, I don't know. I could see guys like Carson Strong out of Nevada, but he looked bad against uh, Kansas State, although the caliber of player that's on that team just isn't what it should be for a guy that high. So Carson Strong could be a guy. Desmond Ritter's a guy who, you know, he's had some bad – yeah, I mean, he's a guy who's had some bad moments in college, but he's really developed into a really good quarterback. So, I mean, you go through the list like that, so you have guys that you can name off, but Willis is the only one that if I had to pick high in the NFL draft that I'd feel like I'd really want to build my team around right now. And I know I know, we talked about this like – And Matt Corral, maybe. I don't know if he'd be that high, though. Like, I don't I know. Is he, he draft I, eligible? I think he is. I think he's a junior. Oh, no. But anyway, my, my big point with the uh, with the draft this year is I think we talked about this, like the draft, you know, especially after 2020 and 2021 had so many quarterbacks go in it. 
Like this year was, I think, doomed to be a down year and just regardless. And, you know, that may be the case for uh, what we're seeing out of uh, the quarterbacks. But yeah, I mean, Howell, I think would still get drafted high just because a, he's got the pedigree and B, I think he, he's probably going to be a better pro quarterback than he is a college quarterback, but you know, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly that he, he probably does. And I guess Rattler is an option. Um, Corral is, or Corral is an option. Sorry. He is a, uh, Walter Football actually has him as the number four pick right now behind Rattler as the second quarterback. Uh, who, uh, who does he have him going to? Because I love Walter Football. Uh, Detroit Lions. Ugh. He's going to be yeah. awful in Detroit. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I would still probably, I'd probably have him in the conversation too because he's, I mean, he's the best quarterback in the country right now, honestly. He's the best no. quarterback in the country and he's right now the front runner for Heisman Trophy. If they manage to beat one of Alabama or A&M, I think he can win Heisman Trophy easily. He could. I definitely think this year, speaking of the Heisman, is going to be one where the candidate comes out of complete left field. Like it's, I don't know, like it's someone who, you know, it could, like, I'm not saying it will be him, but like a Calzada, who no one expected him to be anywhere near the race, came in for an injury and had an amazing second half of the season. Not like, again, I don't think it'll be Calzada. I'm just saying a guy like that. So Jackson Dart, huh? USC big comeback. <laughs> I mean, he's not even playing next week, is he? I think he's still in. I think uh, uh, they're going back to the Slovis. Oh, are they? Oh, yeah, I, I haven't so. seen anything. Your I mean, joke Dart didn't work. Really ha ha ha. Dart's really good though. So he is. I, I I think Slovis is good. I just I don't know. I think we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I mean I don't know. I think Corral's definitely a guy who's a candidate. I mean, he's the favorite right now. I mean, odds have him as the favorite. Who do uh, they have as number two? Uh, good question. We'll get IT on this. I mean, if you if you know, like I believe Luck was the favorite going to like week three every year of his Stanford yeah. career. Uh right now it's Corral, Bryce Young still second, CJ Stroud third, Rattler fourth, Ritter five, Howell six, Daniel seven, uh Uyungalale eight, Kenneth Walker the third out of Michigan State nine, Bijan Robinson ten. And then from there, you're kind of just getting. Did you give Robinson it after his game against Arkansas? I mean, even if they run the table, I mean, if they run the table, maybe because that means. I mean, if they run the table, that means they're beating Oklahoma twice. Like even with the loss to Arkansas, who's probably better than we thought. Like a one loss. I mean, it's still too early with a lot of this stuff because if you think about that, if they run the table and Arkansas is their only loss, who might be a top twenty-five team this year, then that means that they're a one-loss team heading to the college football playoff. Like, so, I mean, I guess, then, it, I guess it was a, the dumb way of saying it. I, I don't think at all they're going to be going running the table. No, I mean, they're, they're probably not. I mean, they're yeah, I would say no. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's really tough because I think a lot of the time you look at Heisman, it's typically blue bloods. There's only been a few instances where it's not. And in those few instances, instances where it's not, it's taking superstar level play basically out yeah. of quarterback like Lamar Jackson. And I think Corral can kind of hit that level to where he's basically, well, he has to be in the conversation now because he's that good. Even if it's like a nine and three team. But I agree with you that they have to win at least, at least one of A&M and Alabama and probably need to win two out of A&M, Alabama and, uh, and uh, Arkansas. Just to get you probably have to finish third in the SEC West at least and upsetting one of those two teams. Absolutely. And and need to have like a signature moment. We see that a lot where it's like 
you know, whether it's RG3's game against Baylor or the Johnny Manziel game against Alabama, but there's always these like signature games or signature moments that like win you the Heisman. And like Lamar Jackson's was against, I think it was against Clemson where he had a really good game, but they lost by like three points. Um, yeah. uh, he needs that moment and he may get that against one of those big teams. Yeah. I mean, two weeks he gets Bama. So we'll see what happens there. We will see. Uh, let's go into some of the big games this week. So there are two top 25 ranked matchups. The first one is Notre Dame in Wisconsin playing in soldier field. Uh, the line is Wisconsin six and a half. I, I think Wisconsin will blow out Notre Dame. I haven't been impressed by Notre Dame at all. This part of the season, especially their offense. Yeah, I mean, it's been a weird Notre Dame year. Like, this team's looked very uninspiring. Um, The things we thought they'd be good at, running the ball and, you know, playing defense, they haven't really been that good at. And, you know, the passing game is regressing that first week, which, you know, after seeing Florida State, I guess, isn't that surprising. So I guess the question you have is kind of, what is Notre Dame good at? I don't know if Wisconsin wins it by more than a touchdown because Wisconsin's not built to blow anybody out. But they should win this battle at the line of scrimmage. They should have better players. It just comes down to can they stop big plays out of Notre Dame's passing game? Because, you know, they got beat up by Penn State by basically hitting a few big shots. Can they stop that happening this time around? But but I guess the big question is, is that that same Wisconsin team? Because, you know, we see it all the time. Team loses week one. But then obviously we talked uh, about that a couple of weeks ago, about how terrible that game was for Wisconsin in terms of they had so many opportunities to win, you know, two red zone trips ended up in three points. If you're Wisconsin, this is the big time to redeem yourself. Like you can go in there. If you destroy Notre Dame, you probably go back into the top uh, 12, if not the top 10. And now you're in a position to, with a couple of big wins, get yourself back into the playoff conversation. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that they are capable of getting back to that point. It just depends on if they can hold on and get the win. Um, I do see them winning this game. I do think they're the better team. And yeah, I mean, Notre Dame has definitely been uninspiring. That's the, that's the nice way of putting it. I'll just say this. If there's one thing I know, it's that every year after Notre Dame like has a really big year, or makes the playoffs or whatever, they always end it with something terrible, like a terrible year. And I think that trend continues uh, I, the, again, the line is six and a half over and under is 46 and a half. I'm kind of on you in that I'd bet on Notre Dame to cover just because Wisconsin always plays close. I think I'll go Wisconsin 28, Notre Dame 20. Well, that'd be Wisconsin. <laughs> no, that, well, that's my thing. I think that'll happen, but if I'm a better, I would a thousand like, yeah. Betting, I know that Wisconsin is somehow going to keep it closer than it was. Yeah, I'll go 21-17 Wisconsin. I don't see these teams scoring a lot. So, uh, The other ranked matchup is the one that I'm dreading right now just because of the fear of it going badly. Uh, A&M in Arkansas playing in, Ar- uh, in AT&T sta- Stadium. Uh, by the way, I love the fact that the two big games this week are both uh, uh, non-home games. Are both non-home yeah, both neutral yeah. sites. So. Yeah. Which is exciting. I mean, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, Arkansas looks really good. Uh, this offense can really move the ball. They open up. They open it up. They spread it out. They have a good offensive line. KJ Jefferson looks fantastic. And, you know, 
I do think this game is going to be one of the line of scrimmage, though. I mean, it's going to be, you know, DeMarvin Leal and that awesome A&M defensive line against Arkansas's pretty good offensive line. So who's going to win those bat- matchups at the line of scrimmage, I think, is the big thing. And then on the other side, you know, you're talking about Calzada had a really good game against uh, uh, New Mexico with only one interception, which was kind of a, I don't want to say a rookie mistake, but kind of a mistake you make when you don't have a lot of in-game snaps. Uh, but then they're playing an Arkansas team that's played pretty well defensively their last two games. Obviously had a not that great game against Rice, but has been playing pretty good since. Um, it's gonna. I think that this game is going to be a big point of if the A&M team can establish their running attack. Um, they struggled against it uh, for both of their first, really for their first three games. They've really had to rely on uh, getting some movement down the field. If they can do that against Arkansas, which... I'll say that's the one thing that Arkansas didn't do a great job against Texas in that Texas did get some rushing attack. Like it didn't net necessarily touchdowns, but like Bajan Robinson in the Texas rushing attack did do a decent job of moving down the field. Um, mm-hmm. I think if, if A&M can get some rushing attack, I think this game should go in their way. The one thing I'll also note though, is no matter how good Texas A&M is or how good Arkansas is, this game is always like decided on the final play of the game. It happens every year for some reason. Yeah, I think it'll be a fun game. <coughs> Excuse me. I think it'll be a fun game to watch. I'm excited to see both of these teams go at it. I don't know. I feel like Arkansas is going to have to find a way to like score some points in this game, and that's how they win. Because I mean, if it's a, if it's a rock fight, I see A and M winning this game. But I mean, we'll see what happens overall. But yeah, like you said, it's going to be close. It's a big rivalry game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Arkansas could move the ball i just don't know if they're going to be able to win those matchups they did it against texas but a&m is just better at everything defensively than compared to texas so i think that's going to be really hard to pull that off again i'll say this uh i'm a big believer in mike elko so far uh not only did he win the game against colorado but if you just look at what the defense has done over the first three games of the season and you know i know you're going to say about kent state but kent state's not a a nobody and New Mexico is led by a former sec quarterback and uh, Terry Wilson. So they're not a nobody. Uh, what that defense did in those three games has been really incredible. And so you talk about this Arkansas game, he won't be able to be as successful as he's been in those games. But I think if you're talking about AM's defense, trying to give enough for Calzada and Spiller to get something done, I think it should be effective. Uh, the one thing I'll say is I would bet the under personally because I think that both defenses will have better games than you think they will. Uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say A and M twenty one Arkansas fourteen. A and M twenty one Arkansas fourteen. Um, oh man, this one is gonna be tough. Uh, I'll go ahead and say it. I'll say Arkansas twenty four A and M fourteen. I think they find a way to score three touchdowns and that's enough in this one. Yeah, I think it's going to be fun though. It'll be, it'll, that may be the case. I mean, I don't know. I, I, it's going to be interesting to see. I think the AM offense in the first quarter is going to be a big deciding factor, like how they come out of the gate. Maybe not even the first quarter, just the first drive will tell you a lot. If they can get last week, they finally awoke uh, Demond Damas in the receiving mm-hmm. game. If they can do that again and and pair that with Weidermeyer, pair that with if a nice Smith is healthy, pair that with uh, some of the other that they they finally uh, 
got some action out of um, Musin Muhammad's kid. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. So if he if those if the passing game is plays as well as they did against uh, uh, New Mexico as they played against this game against Arkansas, uh, they should be able to win this game. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting. So uh, 2.30 for that one, right? Yeah, and, and I think this one will be a big deciding factor in the West, as you said, because I think whoever wins this game has a pretty good shot to be second-best team in the West, if not a playoff team, depending on how they play against Alabama. Yeah, no, I definitely think so. I mean, this could decide a lot of things. So uh, we'll see what happens with this one. Like I said, I think, you know, if, if Arkansas mm-hmm. can get like three touchdowns, then – I think they got a shot, but at the same time, I don't know if they're going to be able to get three touchdowns in this one. I think whoever gets three touchdowns will win the game. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't think both teams will be able to get three touchdowns. So uh, is there another, cause those are our only two like ranked on ranked matchups. Is there another game you're excited to see this week or. Um, I got to look at the schedule. Hold on. Who's UCF going to lose to this week? Oh, that Dylan Gabriel. I, we're probably going to lose a lot of games now. Is he officially uh, out? Yeah, he's going to be out for a little bit. He broke his clavicle. I guess so. I'll start with one. I'm looking at Kansas State at Oklahoma State. Yeah. Um, you know, Oklahoma State, I think, is a pretty talented team going and facing a ranked uh, Wildcats team. The line right now is Oklahoma State by six. I guess cause they're at home, but I think Kansas State will win this game. Not, not by a lot of points, but pretty handily in this, like, the actual game perspective. I think it'll be pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I thought Kansas state impressed me last week uh, without Skylar Thompson. They played pretty well and Oklahoma state. I don't know. They can't really throw a forward pass. I don't know why they're favored in this game. Like Spencer Sanders is not good. And yet he's favored in this one. I don't get it. So yeah, I mean, I think Kansas state's better. So I think they, they win this game, but it'll be interesting to see how that goes, plays out. Um, yeah, I mean, I just think they're better. So I'm interested to see how UCLA bounce, bounces back against Stanford. Their corners look terrible against uh, Fresno State. And Stanford actually proved it could throw the ball a little bit in that game against USC. So that's going to be an interesting matchup. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be then, surprised like said, if think- Stanford win this game. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Stanford wins this game. I like them. Now, granted, yeah. I think we could see the same thing as we did last week. Not to the same degree in terms of the USC revenge game, but... I think UCLA could come out and start swinging against Stanford. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. And then the last one, like I said, I, I think NC state can beat Clemson. I do. I honestly think that they can get their hosting. And I think that their, their defensive line, their offensive line is good enough to kind of beat up Clemson and win this game. Uh, they're double digit underdogs, which I'd probably take Cle- uh, NC state plus 10. Um that being said, Clemson is the better team, but it's going to be an interesting matchup because I think that what I've seen from Clemson has been uninspiring, and I still believe in this NC State talent. So do, would you put your money where your mouth is and bet the NC State plus 10? Uh, I mean, if I'm going to bet NC State plus 10, yeah, I'd probably bet NC State plus 10, and then I might even throw a little on the money line and say they win straight up. Ooh, exciting. So, and then the last one I'm pretty interested in is – uh. Nebraska, Michigan State's interesting. Uh, Michigan State's look very good. The Kenneth Walker uh, transfer from Wake Forest can really run the football. Uh, I think he leads the lead country in rushing right now with 493 yards. But Nebraska's looked better since that Illinois game. That Illinois game looks more and more like an anomaly by the week. 
Um, I don't know like if they're going to win this game, but I think they're plenty capable of winning it. I think this Nebraska team is probably better than we actually gave it credit for because we we laughed at the Scott Frost jokes after week one. We 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 laughed, it was loathed in our Scott Frost jokes. But no, I mean, we'll see. I think this week will be a big deciding factor in if that game last week was the trend and the first week was a fluke, or if that last week was a fluke and the first week was a trend. Because, you know, I mean, what was the line we said? Like, they need to win because they already have two losses. They probably need to make a bowl game to save his job. Probably, yeah. So six or seven wins. And and probably even then still have to look like decent in the bowl game. Yeah. So So we'll see. Uh, The other one I'm interested in, we talked about South Carolina. That Kentucky-South Carolina game, especially for a Kentucky team that last week struggled at times against Chattanooga. I think how they play against South Carolina and hopefully in getting the win will be a big deciding factor in if Kentucky is near the South Carolina Vanderbilt side or near the Tennessee Georgia side, I guess if I had to describe it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that's a, uh, that's going to be a good one. I, I am interested in Kentucky because they looked like they could really throw the ball in their last game. Uh, I think, I think the Penn State, in their last game in the Missouri game. Yeah, the Penn State transfer has been pretty like changed. It looks like how the team looks in general. Yeah. So I'm definitely am interested in that game too. I'm interested to see what Kentucky is because this team looked like a surefire thing for third in the SEC East. And then they looked really bad against Chattanooga. So we'll see. I'm, I mean, with how Florida and Georgia are playing, you'd still think because they already beat Missouri. If they beat Tennessee, then they're, you know, like systematically third. Like, yeah, like the, the win against Missouri is such a huge thing in terms of getting third in the East because you know that your top two teams are so much better than your other teams. But when you have Vanderbilt and South Carolina, it's like such a barrier in general. Yeah. No, I completely agree. So, uh, It'll be interesting. I think Kentucky's still a pretty good team, though. Okay. Now let's transition over to the uh, NFL, where uh, how about them Raiders? Undefeated. Undefeated. Uh, quarterback impressive. leads the league in passing. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so a lot of good things happening in Vegas right now. I mean, that team can really move the football. Uh, Henry Ruggs is coming into his own a little bit. I still wish they, you know, uh, run him on some different routes because it just seems like they have him as this deep threat where, you know, when he was at Alabama, the guy would, you know, basically run slant and like drag routes and then go like 80 yards off of them. And he doesn't really do that. Not that he would be able to have that much success, but he just doesn't do a lot of the stuff that he did really well. Um, I want to see him do more like different stuff because I thought he could be like Tyree kill level game changer in that regard. And they just haven't really shown it yet. Um, but yeah, I mean, they can really throw the ball. The defense looks organized, which it definitely didn't look organized last year. Paul Gunther was maybe the worst defensive coordinator in the country. Um, so everything looks good in Vegas. I don't know if they're going to beat Kansas City for the division, but this looks like a playoff team. No, and th- this this reminds me just, I don't know, like the Titans a few years ago, but they just have this aura about them. Like we're just really, really good. And yeah, I mean, it all starts with Carr, who I feel like has been – 
so underrated the last couple of years because the team around him has just been mediocre, but he is really turning into a serious MVP candidate this year. Like he, he, he looks like he's playing like back pre-injury. Yeah. No, honestly, he's been really good. I mean, last year he was the best part of the team. Even with Darren Waller, I thought he was the best part of the team last year. And this year he's just furthering that case. Um, so it's interesting to watch this team. The offensive line's a little worse, which is a little worrisome because they haven't been able to run the ball to the same success. I know Jacobs was out last week and that hurt the team. But And when you're playing the Steelers defense, it's hard to sometimes run the ball. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how this team does going forward because this is a team that, like, last year they beat Kansas City in the first half of the season. Um, and they had the most difficult schedule in the first half of the season last year and went 3-3 three and three and everyone was looking really good. And each of the last two years, they've kind of faltered in the second half. So it'll be interesting to see if they can continue this, if they can stack up enough wins, how this team's going to play the rest of the year. And especially, you know, I think you, the, we saw that statistic along with the Broncos that this is the first time that Kansas City has not had at least a share of the AFC West since Mahomes has been quarterback, which amazes me. I guess it just shows how dominant they've been the last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, honestly, they've been really good. And uh, I mean, they definitely had the toughest opponent. So that hurt it too. Because I mean, the Ravens are good. I mean, I'm not denying uh, that. I'm not denying that. But I don't know. Did you watch any of that game? The Ravens Chiefs? Yeah. Yes. I don't know. It just, the, the, the Chiefs just don't, on defense specifically, offense, they're still very good and probably will still be one of the top three offenses in the league. Their defense just looks like they've taken a big step back, it seems like, since last year. Yeah, I mean, there's some things I like, I don't know why Chris Jones is on the edge. Like, he's a defensive tackle. He needs to play defensive tackle. He got stuck on the edge a few times, and it's just like, okay, you're going to have him try and contain Lamar? Like, that's your game plan? I didn't get that. Um, but I thought things looked better still with Tyree, Tyree Matthew back there. He got a couple turnovers in this game that obviously helped the team look really good early. I don't know. It just felt like the offense kind of stopped playing in the second half, and then obviously Lamar was able to move the ball. It was an interesting game. Um, I thought Kansas City was going to win pretty handily, and then they kind of just started coasting, and then you know they got shut out in the fourth quarter, and that just isn't something we see out of Kansas City. Yeah. Um, we'll see what happens with this team. I still think it's really good, obviously, so that's, that's not breaking news. But, uh, yeah, I mean – Baltimore impressed me in that game. I think the one thing I, I question with Baltimore is that it really feels like it's Lamar Jackson has to be Superman this season. Like they had a lot of, you know, Rashad Bateman hasn't played this year. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, obviously, with his injury, and then Gus Edwards with his injury. And they're even weaker in defense with Marcus Peters out for the year. That I question if week to week Lamar Jackson do – I mean, he's obviously a fantastic player. He's one of the top six quarterbacks in the league, I think, without a doubt. I question if he's able to do this every week. Because the second half of this game, he was the best player on the field by a mile. And can he do that every game? Well, here's what I'll say, and I'll, I'll put this into perspective for Ravens fans and why I say it doesn't necessarily matter. We've seen teams like the Ravens, like Bengals, I'm imagining from two or three years ago, 49ers last year, 49ers three years ago, where they get so many injuries that their season just collapses. Like, mm -hmm. and it doesn't necessarily need to even be a big name. It could just be a starter. But if you get enough starters injured, no matter how good your team is, you'll lose games. 
the Ravens just went out there on Sunday night and with all those injuries and with the situation that we've seen teams like the 49ers coming off of a Super Bowl collapse or like the uh, Bengals collapse, the Ravens beat the Chiefs. Giving yourself Lamar Jackson puts you in such a great scenario that you could win games regardless of how injured your team is. Yeah. I'm just saying, I'm just saying like perspective wise, like we've seen these injuries in this scenario teams falter. I agree with you that I don't think that the Ravens can keep this up, but I don't think that's an issue with Lamar Jackson or even this Ravens team. I think it's an issue with the fact that when you get this many injuries, you're bound to be like not great in some games. Yeah, no, I agree. It'll be interesting to see. Cause like, I mean, looking at this team, like, Lamar Jackson had 26 passes and led the team with 16 rushes. The passing game, Marquise Brown, Sammy Watkins, and Mark Andrews accounted for all but three targets in the game. There was they only probably three... should. Yeah, but can you win the can you win consistently with basically three guys getting the football and your quarterback? That's the question I have. I mean, Tyson Williams was actually pretty good in this game, too, as the, you know, the runner off of, you know. The, the entire attention was just put on Lamar. And then, you know, Williams basically just got 77 yards off of that. Yeah, I um, call it the deputy runner. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's going to be interesting to watch this team. I still think they're really good and potentially play in a playoff team. And I still think the Chiefs are probably division favorites. It's just interesting to watch. This team is faltering. And the, the defense is definitely a problem, I think. I mean, it's also – and it's also just interesting to see, like, because last year I remember, I think it was last year, I remember so much conversation was on the Ravens going to that Chiefs game. And then they got embarrassed, like by how good the Chiefs dominated them last year. Uh, I think that may have been coming off of the loss to Oakland or to Las Vegas from Kansas City. I think this year, every Ravens fan would have excused losing to, losing to uh, the Chiefs. And then they come out and come from behind i know watching that first drive where (laughs) lamar jackson maybe throws the worst pick he's ever thrown in his life and which went for a pick six uh i think coming off of that and winning this game i think is a huge compliment to both harbaugh compliment to both um their defense and a compliment to lamar but yeah i mean the the again the ravens are in one of the toughest divisions in in football right now not as tough as the nfc west is i'll grant you that but in terms of the Steelers uh, and the or the uh, AFC Browns, West, maybe I don't know. Broncos, I think, Raiders, Chargers. I, I mean, don't know how good the Broncos actually are, which I guess we'll get to in a second. But like, I legit like the Steelers and the Browns are obviously really good, and I think the Bengals are a sneaky team that can beat you in certain weeks. Uh, their big issue, I think, is uh, they're just so one-dimensional on offense right now. Um, but we'll see. I mean. But yeah, I mean, the, the, the Ravens, I think you got to be up, uh, applauded for coming in and kind of winning a no-lose scenario. Yeah. No, I think they've done a very good job. So it's, uh, yeah. you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how the division plays out. I mean, I'm not really high on the Steelers, honestly. I'm just not. I know they beat Buffalo, but like Big Ben looks terrible. Like, he was pro football focus's worst quarterback in week one, and he just doesn't look like he can play. Um, I'll say this about the the Steelers in particular. I'm not a huge fan of them, and I still think if they're put into a playoff scenario, they'll get destroyed like they did against the Browns. But I also think that their defense is good enough that they'll just win games. 
Like they'll win some close games. They probably shouldn't. Um, and I think the Bills game was a, a microcosm of that. Uh, I think this week's game against the Raiders proved their their downfall or proved why they aren't necessarily. But like you look at them, they're they're one in one, but they have a negative uh, points ratio. Uh, I think they're the only team with a winning record that has that. Oh no, sorry, the Dolphins are seventeen. Never mind, never mind. Dolphins exist, but um, yeah, uh, the Steelers are you know not a great. And they have uh, again a negative point differential compared to the rest of the and AFC North are all either neutral or positive. Uh, I think you got to give um, the the Steelers some credit, but at the same time, I understand that they're probably not going to be going to uh, a Super Bowl this year, which I don't think they will. Yeah. I mean, we'll see what happens with them. Obviously the, uh, you know, the defense is fantastic, but I just don't know if it's going to be good enough. And it probably won't, but we'll see. I mean, it's the, again, their toughest thing is if you consider the Browns and the Ravens, you consider the bills, dolphins and Patriots, at least one of the two of those teams are probably making the playoffs. Um, Probably only going to get one AFC South team. So Titans, I guess, or Texans, I guess. I don't know. Uh, and then you consider the two AFC West teams. That kind of gives them no room for error. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's uh, – the, the interesting thing is with the AFC, I just think that there's legitimately 13 teams that can see they have a realistic path to the playoffs. Like, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Four in the AFC West – Two in the AFC South. I'm not counting the Texans. I still think it's the Titans and Colts. Um, well, I mean, here's the thing. At the same time, I could see the Texans having a route to the playoffs just because the AFC South has a down year. Um, you know, it's. I, I mean, I'm not going to say that the AFC South is going to become the new NFC East, uh, but I could see a scenario where they're not performing that well. Yeah, I just I don't know. Now with Tyrod Taylor out at least at one game, like true. We'll see what happens with that. Which but by like, the way, has there been a player in the last like five years with worse luck than Tyrod no, Taylor? Between no. you know, he led a Bills team to the playoffs and then gets replaced, gets traded to the Browns, gets injured in week like four, uh, goes to the Chargers, gets a coach like puncture his rib gets replaced and now has to go to the Texans plays really well week one and then gets injured again. Yeah. It, it stinks. He was being, he was played really well this season. Um, obviously he's going to miss uh, tomorrow night's game and we'll see how that, you know, going forward, how that changes things. Uh, I'd like to, I'm glad to report that both of our teams won this last week. Yes. Um, yes we did. Uh, you embarrassed Sam, uh, sorry, not Sam Darnold. You embarrassed Zach Wilson Ooh, on national. <laughs> I think uh, we'll talk about this in a second. I think there's a huge difference. At least there seems to be from via the records and how they've been playing. But um, you know, you embarrassed Zach Wilson on national television and rebounded from that uh, Dolphins game. Meanwhile, the Cowboys probably did the most Cowboys thing in the world, which is look stupid even while winning. In terms of the whole uh, 30 yeah, seconds. Yeah, Mike McCarthy is an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but we still won. I mean, Greg Zerline still won us the game. And, like, you can't – here's the thing. I think in the game you can't fault anything the Cowboys did. Like, aside from that final stupid thing. You can't – like, the Cowboys had a really smart game and it was a really good game against a good Chargers team. 
Obviously, the secondary is still not great, but the Micah Parsons looks like a machine. Have you did you see that play where he like it counted as a sack against? Uh, yeah, yeah, just really. I mean, good. He's been really good. Yeah. Um, again, you know, in a tight NFC. By the way, uh, in a tight NFC East where the Giants are a offsides penalty away from being one in one. Uh, and you know, the Eagles are one in one. Like, I think that games like that are the big difference maker between potentially a playoff berth and a top 10 pick. Yeah. And we'll see how that ends up changing the scenario. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it was, it was a good game, still room for improvement, but I'm not going to say anything bad against a win against a good chargers team, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I think you feel good about that. Um, Tony Pollard looks good. I think I said last week that, if Ezekiel Elliott gets 18 or less touches, the Cowboys win. And he had 18 touches. So, um, yeah. You give I, mean, I mean, I know you can't necessarily put Pollard immediately in there because Zeke had a decent game, but you got to give uh, Pollard more action because he just looked really good. It should definitely be at least 50 50, if not more Pollard. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think they'll ever go fully Pollard because. Uh, I, th- I think you said this about uh, Belichick when not deciding to put Brady in immediately in 2001, like money counts. Mm-hmm. Like, so we'll see, but yeah, I mean, Pollard looked really good and the Cowboys head into this week uh, with a little more optimism than we did against the bucks. Uh, speaking of which they're still rolling. They looked great again against the Falcons. And yeah, I mean, Tom Brady's going to win MVP at 44. How, how does that make us feel? It should make us feel inspired, I think, because it tells us that literally all we need to do is work hard to get what we want. (laughs) But at the same time, like there's only one Tom Brady. Yeah, (laughs) it's not like (laughs) I don't know. It's just like you look at what the Bucks have and they have just there. I remember after the Super Bowl, people were telling me like, this is so crazy also because they're going to be even better next year. And they are. (laughs) They look amazing. Gronk is back. Uh, yeah, Gronk is always great. I mean, my brother has him in fantasy, and he's always lucky because he always gets two touchdowns. It seems he yeah. he, he could have like <laughs> five yards, but he'll get two touchdowns. I have him in fantasy this year. I mean, the first week he had like seven catches for ninety yards, and this week he was just the red zone guy. I think he had four catches and two touchdowns. So that's all that um, matters. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that they just have so many weapons. Like, like I think Antonio Brown went on the COVID list today. Um, even, you know, he's vaccinated, so all he needs is two negative tests. But at the same time, if Antonio Brown's out, it's like, oh, well, Scotty Miller will be the third receiver. And we still have Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and Gronk, and Cameron Brady. And, and, and don't they Howard. have, like, a third-round receiver or fourth-round receiver they drafted last year? Uh, I, they might have drafted a guy, but Tyler Johnson's still pretty good. You know, he was behind Miller last year, and he's still yeah. behind Miller. So, I mean, they, they have plenty of options. Uh, but interestingly, they're not like, they don't have sole position of the NFC South right now because the Panthers have been playing really well. They, you know, after that first week, win, uh, they go into new Orleans or maybe then I think they actually hosted new Orleans, but they go in and they beat the saints pretty handily. Uh, were we not giving this Panthers team enough credit or they, is this like not sustainable? I mean, this defense looks legitimately good. Um, I feel like everybody on this defense has played really well. Um, I'm interested to see how it plays going forward when it's not playing Zach Wilson and um, in his first start and, you know, 
Jameis Winston back to being Jameis Winston rather than MVP Jameis Winston. Everyone was hyped about after week one, you know, Jameis Winston had to throw where he was trying, he tried to throw a 45 yard touchdown pass while falling down. Like, and shockingly it was intercepted. So, um, you know, I think this defense is legitimately pretty good and can be awesome. And while I still have questions about the offense, you know, they're, they're going to win games just off of that defense alone. And, you know, even though I have questions about the offense, the offense has DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey, who's a cheat code and Robbie Anderson. So, you know, there can't be that many questions about this offense with that team in front of it. And in that Joe Brady offense, you know, Sam Darnold has looked really good uh, over these first two games. I do, again, I'm not saying that it's, a, you, you can decide anything through two weeks of the season, the first season, but if I'm a Jets fan, I'm starting to like tug its shoulder. Like maybe it wasn't Sam's fault. Yeah, I mean, he's been pretty good this week. Uh, he was pretty good this week. It's interesting to see because the Saints ended up missing a bunch of guys. Like I know Lattimore was the big one too. Um, so it would be interesting to see how it goes forward. But like, yeah, I mean, he's definitely, I mean, he's certainly looked better than Zach Wilson, even though it's Zach Wilson's first, uh, you know. And again, I'm not saying anything about that. Zach Wilson's a rookie. You know, Sam Darnold is playing in a Joe Brady offense. And clearly, even though I think Elijah Moore will be a very good wide receiver, the weapons Sam Darnold has are much better than the weapons Sam Dar- or, uh, Zach Wilson has right now. Um, Exceptionally, yeah. Yeah, and, and I do think it's funny to see, specifically with Robbie Anderson, because I know that was a guy who Sam Darnold played pretty good with when he was on the Jets and – Seems to have not missed a beat. Uh, but I mean, I don't know. I think, again, I'm not saying anything about their careers because it's been two games, but it is interesting to see, similar to what we saw with Tannehill, how maybe a change of scenery shatters what people's expectations of you are and shatters the narrative because, again, Sam Darnold was the guy people thought that couldn't return back to the NFL. Like, I know that was some people. And then now he's, you know, playing pretty good on a Panthers team that's 2-0. and yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're winning games right now. We'll see if they can make it continue it. But yeah, I mean, this team looks like a playoff contender. I don't know if they're going to beat out those NFC West teams or, you know. Yeah, no. Uh, I mean, know, the, there's still the, a couple other teams. The NFC West is one botched comeback from the Seahawks from being 8 0. Like, if the Seahawks close that game against the Titans, which they should, then everyone would be undefeated. And, especially with some dominant wins from like the Rams and the 49ers and the Cardinals have played really well this season so far. So yeah, Yeah. the NFC West is going to be, I know last year the conversation was the NFC West is going to be hard to play against, but they kind of alternated between really good and really bad play. The NFC West is going to be really tough this year. I feel like, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if two, if not three of those teams make the playoffs. All four of them can make the playoffs. I, yeah, I mean, it's going to be, I think with, I mean, I don't think the Bears will make it again. So I think the NFC North will have no only one team make the playoffs. But between the NFC South and the NFC East, I think it's going to be very hard for the NFC West, especially since they have to play each other so much to not have one team have a subpar record. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I mean, I think they can all end up with winning records. It's It'll be really hard to make have all. F- I mean, yeah. think about that. You that means you automatically have six losses. Yeah, 
I mean, that's if you go oh and six. So well, no, no, no. I'm saying because you have to play each other. That means you have yeah. automatically six losses in your division. I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it it'll be interesting. I mean, I don't know. Like, if I were to rank the teams in the NFC right now, I would have probably the Rams and 49ers one two. I would have, uh, or the the Rams, 49ers, Buccaneers in the top three. Then after that, I'd probably take the Seahawks before the Packers. And then from there, I'd probably have the Cardinals over Washington, Dallas, and Carolina. I'm trying to think. I definitely agree with your top three, though I, I personally think the Bucks are clear number one to me. Like, I think it would be Bucks and then Rams and 49ers. I may even put Rams, 49ers, Seahawks at this point. And then I'd put Packers, Cardinals, Panthers, Cowboys, football team. Yeah, I mean, again, it's interesting. It's an, it's an unexact science. And the Saints, you know, Saints are a team that if they play well next week may go way up in my idea. But right now I just don't think they're at the top of the list. I mean, they might make the playoffs. I think I had them in the playoffs before the season. I'm just never going to trust Jameis Winston. I mean, he. I mean, I feel. I feel like this is. I feel like this is what Jameis Winston did a lot of Tampa Bay, where he'd have a really good game, and everyone be like, "Is Tampa Bay going to make the playoffs this year?" And then he'd have a couple of really bad games, and everyone would forget about the Bucks. I don't think the Saints, and especially even though they have Camara and they have uh, Michael Thomas, I don't think they have enough support to stop a Jameis Winston bad game. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Even in his good game this year, he threw like 140 yards. Uh, so it's not like he's blowing anyone away yet. Um, you know, I think the one thing that was weird about that game, like there should never be under any circumstances Alvin Kamara getting only 14 touches, especially with Michael Thomas on IR. Like they're just not guys that I can trust outside of him. He should get the ball like almost every third play. Uh, okay, let's say this right now. If you had to select an MVP, who would it be? Um, Derek Carr, I guess. Okay, <laughs> no, I mean, I think that's, I think it would be between him and Kyler Murray. Yeah. I think, I think both are probably having the best season so far, or at least the flashiest seasons. Yeah. No, I think they've both been really good. Um, Kyler has been really fascinating because, I mean, he looks like the modern evolution of Brett Favre to me. Like, because I we had that gun. Like, it, it's annoying to compare to Brett Favre because everyone with a big arm is compared to Brett Favre. But like, Mahomes was compared to Brett Favre, but Mahomes actually doesn't really throw interceptions. And then Jameis was compared to Brett Favre, but Jameis isn't actually good. And then Kyler seems that like that perfect blend where you're okay with him making mistakes because it also, you know, creates like four touchdowns a game. And his picks are legitimately bad interceptions and bad decisions. And it's just like, what are you looking at? Yeah. But he also has like five or six throws off of it that you're like, how does he do that? He, he's kind of a mix between like uh, Russell Wilson and uh, Brett Favre. If Russell Wilson had Brett Favre's bad picks. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone, that's been this week's episode of the Sports Break Podcast. As always, my name is Jackson King. And I'm Kyle Rodden. And thank you all so much for listening. Thanks and gig them. Peace.